Welcome back to Nympho's Shame Pit. I am your host, Megan Monet. I've had such incredible feedback on the show so far, so I want to say a big thank you to everyone listening, including some of my family members. So this will be an interesting topic at Christmas this year, I'm sure. I've had so many girls messaging me about their own sugar daddy dating stories, and I'm glad I could make this a safe space for women who are just as curious about all of this as me. But I should mention, I'm in no way suggesting anyone get into this lifestyle. Um, If you want to, you need to think about it before you do, just because it is a lifestyle. Everything changes once you're in it, and it is hard to fit back into normal society. After my parents found out about the podcast, I was beyond anxious, like, I couldn't move and I just put myself in the uh, in my bedroom and sobbed a little bit. I mean, they didn't have a bad reaction. They were just like, oh, okay, sure, no worries. I just told them, like, it's about my sex life and they have a pretty good idea about how unconventional my sex life is. So, um, yeah, they took it fine, though. But I was very anxious, just, like, thinking, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing? Um, you know, I want to be making my parents proud. They sent me to such great schools and all that kind of stuff. But then I realized this is me. Like, this is something that actually makes me happy. And I love sharing stories and telling stories. And I want to be a storyteller, a writer. So if this is a way for me to um, get my voice out there and share some of this craziness that I've been through and also make the most out of that, I don't, I just don't think I, I should keep it all in. I think people deserve to know. And even when I tell very short stories about, sorry, even when I um, even when I tell very short stories about when I went to Vegas on a private jet or when I went and did the whole Europe trip um, with my sugar daddy and we did private jets all through like the Burgundy wine regions of France, everyone's eyes are just like, oh my gosh. And there's something quite satisfying about that. So yeah, I'm kind of definitely just doing this to um, really make myself confident and it really is working so I'm just very happy with the support that I've been getting from it so I appreciate that um I do wish that you know sometimes I could just be a teacher and accountant and make things easier for my family and probably myself but I'm just so dramatic and I have to be that way and I'm every week now I'm coming more and more to terms with that and I'm getting way better about accepting myself. So on today's episode, I will get down and dirty revealing one of the most mortifying encounters I've had on a sugar daddy date. Now, this story is actually in an essay format. I wrote it a couple of months ago in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep because I had the memory racing through my mind like I had for a couple of months. It was just it's such a mortifying experience and I kept trying to think how I could have fixed it or gone back and done things differently and I just thought you know what no let me just write it down let me get it out of my mind so I can move on and actually get something out of it and make someone laugh or you know have some type of entertainment um so this is that story and uh, I hope you enjoy it let's get into it finding the perfect man to date and the same can be said for the perfect sugar daddy. I can safely say I've had some pretty ick-worthy encounters with potential daddies. It doesn't always go so perfectly, but that's just like conventional dating anyway, so I guess that's to be expected. I was still meeting people from dating apps like Tinder and Hinge, well before I got banned from Hinge, but we can talk about that later. 
So I developed a method to distinguish the people I met from the Sugar Baby website and the people I met from the dating app, so as not to confuse the two. I used a messenger app like WhatsApp for the daddies and then just normal texting for the Tinder boys. I was taking a hiatus from the dating app since most of my dates were boring and ended quickly on a rather sour note, so I wanted to focus on finding my next big catch. I was nervous. It was my first time back on the sugar dating scene after a couple of months playing monogamous with Butterfly from episode two. Uh, I was working at this little boutique cafe, so my finances were okay. I'd pay for rent with what I earned at the cafe and save everything else Butterfly would give me. We ended things because he got a little too clingy and wanted me to move province to live with him and was doing all of this weird gaslighty shit and I was like, um... No thanks. So after a tumultuous phone call that all my co-workers had to hear, sorry ladies, our arrangement ended and I pressed my favorite button. Block! Some time passed and I really missed the thrill of the dating scene. I'd been speaking to a number of different guys for a couple of weeks, feeling out for the perfect gentleman. I'm very picky with who I enter an arrangement with. I need to trust them and know they have my best interest at heart. So I connect with a potential daddy. Let's call him Grand Crew. We had been messaging for about a week and we were getting on nicely. I finish my shift at the little cafe and a message flashes on my phone. It reads, dinner tonight. It's 5 p.m. now and I don't have any plans. Perfect, I write back. Meet me at this restaurant for 7.30 p.m. I'll have a bottle of Grand Cru ready for us. I pull up Google because I've never heard of this restaurant before or know what Grand Cru is, but damn. He's got good taste. And so the game has begun. Just to preface, I usually avoid discussing our exact terms before meeting and where we see this going for the future, just because it's, it's easier to discuss in person when you've vibed for a while. So I use a strategy where I just act blasé and pretend like it's a normal date, the proper girlfriend experience. I usually wait until our first moment of privacy. I'd be sitting on their lap, leaning in for our first kiss, dangling the prize in front of them. Then, when they're licking their lips, as men do, I make my request. So it's 5.30 p.m. and I've just scrubbed every inch of my body. My skin is hairless, clean, and I start on my makeup. I keep it minimal, highlighting my features, my eyes with brown powder and a little eyeliner, my lips with glossy pink gloss, and my cheeks with just a little cream rouge. I curl my hair and brush out the blonde ringlets into nice, bouncy waves. My outfit is modest with a little cleavage showing and the type of pants that show off my waist and my ass and then make my legs look really long. If you dress too provocatively, they treat you like an object. I'm no object. I'm a businesswoman, so I dress like one. And also, if they're not buying me an outfit for the date, then I'll just, <laughs> where would I feel comfortable in? I make my way to the restaurant on a busy street in the middle of the city. I'm late, strategically. I want to observe the scene I'm walking into before introducing myself. I check his profile photo on WhatsApp and see a man sitting by the window that looks just like him. He's attractive, maybe mid to late thirties. He wore circle lenses and is balding just a little on the crown of his head. I get closer to the table and I notice his smile. It's even, he's very handsome. His clothes are posh and well-tailored. He wears a watch and an expensive one. It's all in the details, ladies. We spoke for hours. He was charming and I listened to his stories about his work that took him all over the world. 
It was an architecture, or maybe he said it was real estate. I know how this may sound, but I didn't really care what he was talking about. I was just performing to be the perfect date. And I'd already done research on him online because he gave me his full name. I had put on a character, and I was having fun with that. To be honest, my attention is more focused on studying him, to make sure he's safe, reliable, and worth my effort. That's the key to all this. I listen and compliment. I don't say too much about myself, just enough to seem genuine. Three glasses of champagne in, and I'm feeling a little tipsy. We finish dinner, the bill arrives, he pays, and asks if I'd like to get another drink at his place. To be honest, I'm a little hesitant because this was only my second time I'd been on a sugar date and I didn't want to seem too keen and I wasn't too sure how to play it, but I actually was into this guy and I felt pretty safe for him, so I just thought I'd go with the flow. So, for the plot of my own life, I said, sure. At this point, it's dark outside and raining. I take hold of his arm and we share an umbrella as we stroll down the street. I didn't live close to this area, but I was familiar with it. Actually, a few months later, I ended up working as a hostess at the exact restaurant we met at. And I remember one of the waitresses recognizing me during our shift and asked how that date went with the guy. <sighs> well, now you'll know the true version if you end up listening to this. His apartment building is a sky rise with a receptionist at the door. His keys jangled in his palm, and I just remember laughing a little as he tried to coherently open the door with the fob. Before he's able to, though, the glass door just swings open, and we both look up to meet the gaze of the receptionist, who's holding this very earnest, welcoming smile, and ushers us in out of the rain. It was, it was very cinematic. So, I remember thinking Grand Crew must be friendly, or familiar, at least, for the receptionist to offer such a warm welcome, which made me feel way more comfortable. So, we're alone in the elevator. I take in his body. He's tall and slender, with some bulk around his shoulders. I focus in on his eyes and his smile, and I can see just some small wrinkles crease around the corners of each. He was pretty handsome, and he smelt amazing. He hasn't mentioned anything about the website yet, which was actually interesting. It usually comes up over dinner at some point. I just remember thinking this is such an epic roleplay performance for him. He must be so happy. He unlocks the door to his apartment and it's small. That's a little unexpected. I mean, I, I was expecting a bachelor pad with heaps of space for entertaining. I compare this apartment to this guy's I went to months before with a couple of girlfriends. He was this notorious sugar daddy bachelor of Vancouver. His apartment was a penthouse overlooking the Vancouver Boat Harbour. I remember he had a grand red piano in the middle of his living room that played music with no pianist. There were these massive coloured orbs that lined the perimeter of the apartment and just lit it all up. And then there was this waterfall wall feature. The whole thing kind of reminded me of something you design on Sims when you were 14, but... You know, it was a proper party penthouse. I'll have to make a whole episode about this guy because there are some seriously interesting stories that go with him. Grand Crew's apartment was a one bedroom with a small sitting area and a kitchen island. And to be fair, he had done well with the space. He probably hired someone to style it. I mean, these guys usually do. There was this big soft purple lighting on the wall and the view of the city out of the floor length windows works really well for setting the space. And it sent a very, it set a very sensual scene. I think he knew he was going to get me back to his place tonight. I actually love that confidence. 
I can feel the thrill of what's going to happen next fill my body. It's a feeling hard to describe, but it's like an emotion trapped between fear and impatience with a dash of pure manic confidence. I'm on a mission. I know this guy and I are going to have some fun and... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have to worry about rent for a couple of months while we're together, so. I really wanted to hook, line, and sink of this. The character I designed clearly had him hooked. He shakes a cocktail and pours it in a wine glass with ice and orange slices. The ice clinks against the rim as we cheers to our first date. The cocktail tastes sweet, like oranges, and gives me just the right boost of confidence for the next step. So, we're sitting on the couch and talk for a little while longer. The conversation fades and his gaze drops from my eyes down to my lips. He leans in to kiss me. But I pull back just before he lands it. My eyes are heavy and sultry, very suggestive. Well, I hope they were. I mean, it's hard to tell. I could have just looked like I was trying too hard. But for this sake of the story, I was a hot, sultry, femme fatale bitch at this point. I lean into his ear and whisper, So, we never discussed our arrangement. He lets out a low laugh. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, playing hard to get. All right, okay, I'm game. I casually lean back and say, well, you know, what do you see for us? His face screws up into this uneasy look. Eyebrows curve inwards and his lips pout. Sorry, I'm a little confused. This is our first date. I'm, I'm not looking for a relationship just yet. No, arrangement. Wait, What? I'm not looking for anything serious right now. Right, but you took me back to yours and we met on the website, so why are you surprised by this? What website? The Sugar Baby website. We met on Tinder. My blood turns cold. I let out a breathy, squeaking laugh, which then morphs into this garbled. <laughs> what? I've heard of the Sugar Baby site, but I've, I've never been on it. I feel the blood rushing to my cheeks. My head is hot. I'm tipsy. So goddamn tipsy. My mind starts swirling, but I yank my thoughts together. I need to place his face. I need to remember when the last time I was even on Tinder. I've been flip-flopping back and forth between Tinder and the Sugar Baby website more often than usual that month, but I'm sure this mix-up couldn't possibly happen. How could have I let this happen? He's staring at me now. Neither one of us saying anything. My throat lets out a croaky sound. I think I'm going to burst out laughing, but it might end up being a shriek followed by tears and maybe vomit. I feel less safe with this random guy from Tinder than I did two minutes ago when I thought he was a daddy and I was the one in control. Come on, brain, pull yourself together. I mentally slapped myself on the cheek. Say something! I, I have a stalker. You, what? His face scrunches up into total bewilderment. Yeah, I have a stalker. Oh my God, he must have catfished the both of us. He looks fucking perplexed. Good, this might actually work. Keep him confused. I turn away and gaze out of the window for dramatic effect to sell the story. It's okay if you're on the site. No, I have a stalker. I step my head back and quickly glide next to him on the couch, which then makes him scramble away from me. He must have catfished you to me and me to you and got us to meet tonight. My heart is racing. Shit. How could have I let this happen? My stomach starts gurgling and my palms are sweaty. I think I need to leave. I reach over him for my coat and bag on the end of the couch. Wait, just... Calm down, we can talk about this. No, I'm not going to talk. He's probably watching us right now. Maybe he has one of our phones tapped. I mean, look at all these massive windows. He could be in any one of these apartments out there watching us. I shut my belongings in one arm and back out of the apartment. Look, I scream. 
There's someone right there across from us just standing there. No, there's not, but Grand Crew swings his head to the window. Perfect. Time to fucking bounce. I'm disorientated as I stumble out of the apartment door. Where the fuck is the elevator? My heart feels like it's gonna burst out of my chest. I hit the elevator button enough times for my finger to start cramping. Oh, shit. Nope. That wasn't the elevator button, that was the fire alarm. The alarm screams fills the corridor. Fuck! Where is the goddamn elevator? A neighboring apartment door down the hall creaks open and a head pops out looking right at me. I freeze and hold this old woman's gaze. My eyes dart to the emergency exit door. Fuck it, the fire alarm is on. I'm taking the fire escape. I swing my coat and handbag across the rail as I hustle down the stairs, three steps at a time. My red bottoms echo down the staircase. My breath is jagged and I land on the ground floor and the alarm wail finally stops. The door blows open to the reception area. The receptionist rises from behind their desk. I'm so flustered, blood full in my cheeks, panicked, a little tipsy and mostly mortified. The receptionist notes my unease. They ask, is everything? Yes, yes, everything is fine. The thoughts start flashing through my mind and they were making my adrenaline skyrocket. I was thinking stuff like, three too many witnesses to this shit show. Can I get fined for accidentally setting off the fire alarm? Maybe I should go back and kill all three of them to hide my tracks. Whoa, okay, no, I shake my head and flush away the intrusive thoughts. I need to get the fuck out of here. One red bottom in front of the other. My heels click on the stone floor, echoing again. My eyes are set on the glass door to the outside. The receptionist's eyes trail me to the door. I catch my reflection in the glass, hair dishevelled, sweat droplets on my forehead and my blouse pulled to one side, revealing just a little bit too much of my lace lingerie. The glass door swings open and I get a rush of cold wind hit my face. I burst out laughing. The panic immediately drains from my body and I feel the alcohol hot in my head. I fumble down the walkway and look up at the building where I was just moments ago. I see the soft purple light from Grand Crew's apartment. I remember thinking, what the fuck was that? I pull my coat over my shoulders and hang my little bag off my wrist. I straighten my blouse and soften my hair to the side. I take my phone out of my handbag and log back onto the Sugar Baby website. I really am a glutton for this lifestyle. Yeah, so that was for sure the most mortifying experience I've had in a very long time. But I mean, I also want to pat myself on the back for coming up with such a quick excuse to get myself out of the apartment. I still think about that night a lot. I hope he does too. I'd love to get his perspective on it, but you know, I'm never going to see that man again. Ever, ever, ever. So here is a real-time update on my life. Mr. Investor just sent me some support for my trip to LA, so I'm just getting ready to go. I booked a little hire car um, and packing my bag and everything, so that should be fun. I need to be smart, though, and manage it properly. I am so bad at money managing. <laughs> but um, I want it to last me through the summer and maybe do a little Europe trip in between. And by maybe, I mean definitely. Uh, I'm staying at my friend's place in West Hollywood while in LA and he has he has a pretty interesting life too um 
So he uh, used to work in the OnlyFans industry in this uh, department that's not wildly known yet. So I can't wait to dive into that with him. He did sign an NDA after working with them, though. So I don't know how much we will be able to talk about. So I've gotten him to send over the NDA so I can go over before I start writing out my questions um, for him, just because I don't want to get him or myself into trouble, of course. But um whatever we do get to talk about, I'm sure it's going to be very juicy. He also has a sugar daddy. And if you're a fan of a certain female pop star, then you would love this daddy. So we're going to talk about that too. We're actually having a pool party at this sugar daddy's house on the Friday that I'm in LA. So yeah. <laughs> That's going to be very interesting to see how that goes. He, uh, my friend's actually sending me, like, Snapchats right now. He's at a pride pool party and he's, like, fallen off, like, a balcony or something. Like, his ass is, like, halfway through a bush and he's wearing this, like, little G-string bikini. I don't... <laughs> it's tragic, it's hilarious, and it's just... It's pure chaos and I cannot wait to be surrounded by that. Um, so, yeah, I've got some pretty cool plans for the next episode with him. So, uh, hang on until then to hear all of that tea. Mental health-wise, I've been doing great. I've actually been working out every day, taking my meds and my vitamins and uh, working really hard with my co-writer on our TV show about, like, the sugar baby lifestyle. Um, we're starting to do uh, the next few episodes in the show and getting together the plot for it, and it's coming together very well, and I'm so excited. If, uh, if you want to know what the show is going to be like, I'd recommend watching things like Fleabag and Crashing and Broad City. That's the type of vibe that we're going for. So it's going to be very comedic and colourful. I'm quite excited. Uh, I've been feeling very productive. Um, I also haven't been experiencing that brain fog I discussed in the first episode ever since I posted the first episode. So, so much of my anxiety and existential dread and these intrusive thoughts have totally evaporated. I'm feeling extremely confident in myself, especially with all the love that I've been getting about the podcast. Um, I really feel like I've gotten something off my chest, which actually kind of pisses me off because I wish I could like have this secret double life and not tell anyone, but I'm just, I'm like too much of like a honest, like open person. And I love like telling people my story and like hearing their perspective. And I just, yeah, like that's something that I, I, I can't hold in, which is annoying, but oh well, I'll just have to own it. Uh, I have not been dating at all. I've just been focusing on my mental health and happiness, but I've been living vicariously through my friends who date. And okay, to be honest, I don't miss it. It seems so stressful. Like that new crush feeling when you think about them all the time, it genuinely feels like you're being crushed from the inside out. And for myself, whenever I'm into a guy, I end up just mirroring their interests and morphing myself into what I think they think their perfect girl is, which is so like stupid like I should just be very okay in myself but you know maybe that's why I've been so successful at like sugar dating and putting on the girlfriend character I was actually at my hairdressers yesterday and she gives me one glass of rosé and I just end up getting a little tipsy and trauma dumping so much stuff onto her which she actually asked about so I tried to like ease her into like the whole story and everything but anyway the whole the floodgates were open we went dived straight into it and it was it was actually like this this moment of realization where I was like oh my gosh I'm learning a lot about myself talking to you we were talking about tattoos at one point and because I've been thinking about getting one um 
just to like, you know, update the avatar, <laughs> own my body a little bit. And we were talking about uh, like the stigmas of tattoos because she had heaps of them. And I mentioned to her, you know, like my perspective on tattoos is that um, it's actually your inside, your inner personality that you're choosing to display on the outside. Like it's a, it's very telling of someone's character from what they display on the outside. And that's always been my perspective on tattoos. And she was blown away. She's like, I've never thought of it that way. And I was like, really? Oh my gosh, that's how I've always thought of it. But that's why I put so much pressure on what I want to get because I want it to actually represent me. It's been feeling really good just focusing on myself and forming my own opinions and interests. And this podcast has been really helping that. I've been having to like really confidently decide that this is my point of view and I'm going to let everyone know that. Um, and that's rather than just doing things because I want some guy to like me, even though I was in the best shape of my life when I was crushing on this gym obsessed guy. Okay. Note to self, never be into someone with a drug dependency or a criminal, but, uh, definitely an artist. Just before I finish the episode, there is one more little thing that I want to talk about that actually really changed my perspective on my body and my confidence in my sexuality. And it was after attending this meditation class that I was meant to go with my cousin, but she came down with COVID, unfortunately. So I had to go by myself, but it was fine. I still wanted to experience something like this. It just seemed like a really interesting class. And I rock up and it's this room full of beautiful women. They look like sirens. And the guide of the meditation class, um, she embraces me and she's like, thank you so much for coming. And I'm, I'm like very intimidated. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much for hugging me. And it was just such a lovely, warm welcoming, especially walking into a room group of uh, like a room full of women to be embraced and thanked for joining. I was like, oh my gosh, like make me feel better. Like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so we all sit around in a circle and we we talk about our intentions for the class and I've never done anything like this before. So I'm just like, uh, I just want to be grounded. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. And we, so we get into the class and we start doing the deep breaths and we start feeling up and uh, up and down our bodies and our over our breasts and our legs and our womb. And it was just, it was just very, it was very slow and calm and just really tapping into oneself and our eyes were closed. So we weren't looking at anyone just to, focus on what we were doing alone. Um, and then uh, towards the end of the class, we're, we're taught this erotic, like burlesque type, very slow, very simple dance to uh, Dangerous Woman. And it was so fantastic. I got so into it. Like oh, <laughs> that type of stuff just absolutely rocks my world. Like I love it. We were doing like, uh, we were doing like, we were humping the floor and like doing like, body rolls and like head uh like hair flips and everything and it was just so sexy and I loved it and it was so much fun and I just remember at the very beginning before we started learning the dance I was looking at myself in the mirror and you know as a woman I mean everyone can relate to this you know we always have little moments of intrusive thoughts and body dysmorphia and I remember looking at myself and being like I look shit like everyone else here is so much better looking than me like um like my oh like I, I could I back fat and my hips are in the wrong place and I like my belly is too big right now. And, you know, I just wasn't feeling the best in that moment. And then as we started to learn the dance, I, I, I really started to have so much gratification for my body and the way that it could move and that I was healthy. And I realized the reason why I had the, you know, the creases and the folds where I did 
it was so that I could move like that and I could bend those certain ways. And, you know, without them, I wouldn't be able to do that. And, oh my gosh, it was just this moment of realization where I was like, holy shit, like, this is me. It's never going to change. I need to love me for who I am and stop comparing myself to other people. I mean, there's that quote from Anna Paul where it's, uh, someone else's beauty is never the absence of your own. And I think that's just so, so beautiful. She is a wise, wise woman. Anyway, so uh, I just wanted to talk very briefly about that class because it was extremely life-changing. And if I could have kept going to a few more weeks, I definitely would have. It's um, There's one every week. I think she might be doing a five-week class. You can message me on Instagram and I'll send her profile over. I just don't know if she wants me to talk about it um, on the podcast. But I actually think she'd probably be really into this podcast because at the beginning I, I had a tearing up moment where she was talking about female sexuality and that and how for how many years that we've been suppressing it um, because it is so powerful and the moment that we can confidently own it is just such such an epic moment for a woman and I think everyone deserves to feel that and go through that and I'm just so lucky that I went and that my cousin showed me it so I appreciate that Uh, yeah so I just wanted to talk very briefly about that but Anyway, I'm going to wrap up the episode here. I want to say a big thank you to everyone listening. Um, I appreciate your ongoing support and I can't wait to um, get to my uh, interviews with everyone. I have a few lined up for while I'm away, so I'm very excited about that. And I will see you in the next episode. This was Nympho's Shape Pit. Mm-hmm.